Welcome to the Space for Magic podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to receiving all the gifts the universe has for us. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive coach. Using a blend of common sense, brain science, and just a dash of magic, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to Space for Magic. I'm so happy to introduce to you our guest today, Josh, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about him. But before I do that, I want to tell you why I asked him to come on. So you guys have heard me talk about one of my favorite books, The Surrender Experiment. And I'm always curious when I find people who can really live out a journey of surrender. And I ended up talking to Josh for a totally different reason. It had to do with business and we'll go into that. But as I heard the story of how he's walked his journey this last year or so, it so mirrored what I read in the surrender experiment. So if you're a fan of that story like I am, you're going to love to hear what Josh has to say. So Josh is like the coolest dude. He's got an engineering background. He worked on... Josh, tell me, was it Disney? Well, actually, Disney, Universal Studios, MGM, did a lot of stuff in Vegas, and just about every major rock show in existence today. OMG, Cirque du Soleil, and... Also, he has a background being an expert sailor. I don't did is that what I call you an expert sailor? What's the right word, Josh? Yeah, like a professional sailor. I got my Coast Guard issued captain's license. And from there, you can legally drive boats, really big boats with paying passengers on board. And he has been a wilderness guide in Alaska. I mean, oh my goodness, right? Like, how jelly are you all feeling? What do you think about the life he's lived? So, oh, and my goodness, the most important thing, he is the CEO and co-founder of Fire Builders, which is something I'm super interested in as, you know, just as someone who owns my own business, who is building a community around a concept that's near and dear to my heart. And we'll get into that in a little while. But with that, welcome, Josh. Yes, thank you so much. I just want to warn everyone listening right now that I am in Key West and there are roosters everywhere, particularly one who's very vocal and boisterous named Elvis, who every single time I'm on a podcast or I'm recording a show, his spider sense seems to come on and he decides to come and check it out. I love it. I love it. So we are going to be listening to this podcast. It's Josh featuring Elvis. So there, <laughs> that is, that's who we've got going on here. So Josh, just to start off, can you tell everyone about a little bit about the company you run now, and then we'll go backwards, and how you ended up creating this amazing company? Sure. Yeah. Well, it is called Fire Builders, and there's a software, it's a software company, and the software is firebuilders.io. And the main premise of Fire Builders is to allow coaches and consultants to provide personalized accountability to all of their customers every day, hands-free. And what's interesting about this is I actually built this originally, the original concept. I built it for my mother, and she is an amazing author, and she was working on her second book, if there's any authors out there listening, you know, you get into those funks where you just can't wake up, you can't find the motivation to write. And to battle that, she was calling me on a very regular basis and wanting to talk through some stuff and just get some inspiration from her son. And I love her dearly, but I also 
needed to make money and I couldn't necessarily be on the phone with her all the time. And so what I did was being an engineer and a nerd in that aspect, I was like, well, I wonder if I can create something that is a win-win for both of us. I will give you the daily inspiration from your son and all these cool stories and stuff and help you to, you know, break down your big goal of finishing this chapter into little steps. I'll help you do that from an accountability point of view, but I'm going to do it in a way that's totally automated so that I can just build this, press play, let it run, and I can get my time back and focus on my work. And so I did. It was like, God, it took maybe a month for me to really work out the kinks and figure out how in the hell am I going to make this happen? And there were a lot of challenges, but I ended up figuring out something good, cobbled together a bunch of existing pieces of software to prove the concept out. And I finally said, Mom, all right, it's ready. Here you go. And I gave it to her for 30 days and she crushed it. She got into this so hardcore. It was amazing. It was amazing to watch her progress with this. She started to get excited again. She was taking action. She was writing a little bit every single day. Things were flowing. And it actually, the word spread among other authors, kind of her friends and her like little circle friends. They wanted to use it. So it was like, screw it. Why not? So we brought all these other people on and not all of them had writing goals. Some of them had like, you know, weight related goals, food related, nutrition related goals, exercise related goals. Some of them just wanted to clean out the basement that's just been sitting there for the last couple of years. They all started using this platform, this thing that I've built to hit their goals, to stay accountable. And what was crazy is that all of this accountability came from this stranger, namely me. You know, I had no connection with some of these people, but yet I found out later that the effect of getting people to act was very real and it didn't matter if they knew me or not. And so that was how Firebuilders really started was just to automate the relationship I had with my mother. I love that. And I think, you know, automate that relationship with your mom. I mean, you have a close relationship with your mom, obviously, because you love her enough to build this thing for her, right? She's amazing. In fact, she was on the show. Like, she's a huge fan. And yes, you know, it was really helpful because we do have a really good relationship. So I sort of knew a bit more about what would inspire her and the kinds of things that she's into and what she needed to hear. And uh, that helped. That helped quite a bit. And I love that because I think so often we think that, you know, we can feel something calling to us in the future, right? Like that we feel there's something beyond where we are at. And we think it has to come in this huge, like burning bush that talks to us or, you know, some big like aha and yet for you it really started in just love that your love for your mom and yet your love for yourself and the need to do work outside of supporting her and being her accountability buddy yeah 100% it really did come from a place of love as do you know all the greatest products and i did have this problem and i needed to solve it but i needed to solve it in a very loving and humane way I could have very easily just been like, all right, mom, I'm going to write a couple of emails and I'll send them to you and just read them and inspire yourself. But I really went to great lengths to make it interactive, to be adaptive to her behavior or lack thereof. During those times, honestly, man, I would wake up in the morning at like 7 a.m. and I would walk to this little place called Sippin. It was in a town called Piermont, New York. And I would sit there and I would get a coffee and I would write 
the next day's emails that would eventually go to her. And I did that consistently. And I just, man, she was using it and I was writing it. And I was only just a few days ahead, but I was kind of building the bridge as we were crossing it, you know? I love this. Now, if you're listening and you're like, I don't understand what this is, I totally get it because at first I didn't understand it. So I'm going to try and give you a really simplistic, probably insulting Josh. So I apologize explanation of (laughs) what this does. But essentially, Josh has built the software that allows a person to engage in a process using a question and answer format that keeps you reminded of what you expected from yourself, what you intended to do. And then it gives you encouragement when you fall down along the way so that you can stand back up. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the real secret, honestly, my opinion, because there's a lot of to-do list apps out there and accountability apps and stuff. But what makes Fire Builders now very, very unique is that we kind of combine, we take two old ideas, the idea of accountability and just having kind of a structure for yourself for the day, but then the emotive power of influence, the fact that a lot of this correspondence and the stories and the narratives are coming from someone whom you respect and admire. And what we do is we take those two ideas and we smash them together into one new idea. And that kind of combination ends up being just an atomic bomb of productivity with people. So that's really like the secret sauce is the fact that, you know, for my mom, for instance, I could have given her a to-do list, but the fact that all of this correspondence was coming from me, that the feedback that she would write me about her day at the end of the day in this form that I created for her, and she would take two minutes to do that, she knew that I'd be reading it, and she didn't want to let me down. And a lot of times people won't act for themselves, but they will act for someone else. And that is what I found really made the difference in people's actions and their behavior. And it's what makes Fire Builders so unique in the marketplace. What I find amazing about this, Josh, you're climbing to a new level of success and you're headed to some amazing heights in the next couple of years. And so when I looked at the book, I referenced the surrender experiment, which I know I told you about, I think last week when we talked, I don't yep. know if you have checked out, but Michael Singer is the guy who eventually, who went on to create the software programming for WebMD. But his journey was sort of this like, it was like all off the beaten trail and like he never could have predicted where he would have ended up. And so I wanted to have you on before you become the next Michael Singer. So then I can point back to this. I can point back to this and be like, I knew him when. That is like honestly the nicest thing that I have heard all week. I'm so appreciative of that. Thank you. I really do. Well, good, good. I'm serious. Like I totally have like alternative motives, but I find like the way you've journeyed through your life is very similar to the way like Michael Singer talks about his life. Like he just takes the next step and then the next step and he he doesn't resist what part of life is calling him. And so I want to go through this year because I feel like it's so alive for so many people right now. And then if we have time, we'll go back even further to when you did get into sailing, like starting off at the ground floor and all of that journey and what that looked like and getting to the place you got to. But just from this year, you created your podcast. So Josh's podcast is Fire Builders and Fire Builders Live. And we'll put the link to that in the show notes, but you can watch firebuilderslive.com. And Josh is amazing. He just podcasts every day during the week, which is 
Oh my goodness. Except for Sundays. It's, I don't know how you do that. I'm ludicrous. I don't know either. You're insane. So you were going to take the show on the road, right? Isn't that kind of what the plan was? Well, kind of. Actually, there was no show. Oh, okay. So I have been living on a sailboat just north of New York City for the last number of years. And I've done all this international travel, but I have never actually experienced the United States in a really intimate way. So I spent like the last half of 2019 preparing. I put the word out. I had all these places set up. I found all these Facebook friends and I plotted the whole route out and everything. I have a motorcycle named Genghis 1971 BMW an old vintage BMW. And I put some special racks on it and stuff. And I packed it, everything. I sold a lot of stuff, packed it all onto the bike. And I started riding. And I made it down to all the way to Key West. And that was right at the beginning of March. And then, of course, lockdown happened and everything sort of changed. And I had to make a decision about the trip of which I decided to stay here and just work, you know, kind of wait it out because no one knew what was going to happen at that point. Well, once it became clear that this was more of a long-term play than, than most people thought initially, I said to myself, well, shit, if I can't go to people and go hang out and do these interviews and talk to people and promote Firebuilders, the software and stuff like that, if I can't do that, well, then maybe I should start my own live show and bring them to me, bring them to Key West. And so that's what I started to do. And it was super, super bare bones. At first, I mean, literally, it kind of still is. I broadcast six days a week from just a laptop. I've got a pair of headphones. I prop up my laptop on a homemade desk on my buddy Brian's porch. This is where I've been staying for the last couple of months. So there's not a lot of overhead. There wasn't a lot of setup. It was more about me just getting on live, getting over my fears about that, finding some really great guests, making the experience being a guest incredible as incredible as I could, and talking about great things and breaking them down into small steps, very much like what the Firebuilder software does for folks. And that, man, that just kind of exploded on me, not just from a popularity perspective, but also I didn't realize how much I would love the interview process. It was just fantastic. So it was really born out of having to shift the sales a little bit and adapt to the situation. So I'm going to ask you the one that's the most petty of all my questions. <laughs> it's gnawing at me. So I'm going to, and I should have asked you like when we were talking before this, because it's just something that always amazes me is, so you had just wrapped up the last season, I guess it was like a month or two ago, right? Yeah. At the end of August, I believe. Okay. So I remember you put a post out because by then you would really like picked up speed. And I imagine there were a lot of people who wanted to be on the show. And I remember you saying something to the effect of, if you want to be a guest on next season, fill out this link and let me know. And I filled out the link, but people would comment and tell you, oh yeah, I would love to shoot me a line. And to me, drives me insane. Like you gave specific instructions. This is so off topic, but these are like the petty things that go through my head. How do you as a human deal with that? Because I have a projection that you're like way more laid back and normal than I am. So tell me, Josh, how did you navigate that? Because I would have been like, screw you, you know, or do you just ignore them? Like, it's just so, okay, I'm going to stop whining. (laughs) No, no, it's true. It really is true. Well, first, I'm very humbled that you'd even ask because you're right. Like, I mean, I don't have the time most of the time. I don't know what I'm doing. 
I had a lot of the systems and the way that I'm handling the situation to me is I'm just listening to my gut as much as possible. I didn't take a podcast course or anything. I just ended up kind of tackling and solving these problems as they showed up. And that allowed me to kind of pivot and be a little bit more nimble with how I handled these situations. But I also, just like you, I have a feeling about people. Like I'm pretty empathetic and I've been around the block. I know that there's a lot of douchebags out there that see it as a just very self-serving opportunity. Oh, I'm going to hop on their podcast. I'm just going to talk about my thing. And I just never really got along with those people anyway. They're not the kinds of people that I would want to hang out with in real life. And I use that as a litmus test for a lot of the guests that I have on. We have a pre-call. Well, first of all, if they seem kind of like a douche, then I don't even really reach out at all. But if they're on the fence, I give them the benefit of the doubt and we have a pre-call. And I started doing this really early on and it benefited me was that before going live, we would hop on a 15-minute call to see if we connected in some way, if the conversation flowed or if it was like pulling teeth. And that really gave me a better sense of what people were doing, what their motivations were, what we could talk about, how to frame the conversation when we were live and just create a kind of a better product, you know, in the long run. So I didn't take it personally at all. I feel like, you know, to be honest, Patty, like the software, like developing software, you develop a really thick skin really fast because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what you do. You're going to piss people off. And not everybody's going to love it. They're going to think that it's personally offensive, that it's this way or that way or whatever. And you just say, dude, take a fucking chill pill. Like, you know, it's software for God's sakes. But you really do start to desensitize yourself to criticism or and to take it constructively. And that's kind of what I've sort of done with the show, too. I've tried to anyway, is give everybody a chance that seems like they deserve one and try and make it as interesting as possible. Okay. So I feel like that's a beautiful answer and it's exactly who I thought you were, but I still want to answer to my original question. So you posted that thing. You said, put your information in this link. And then some people were like, yeah, just message me, dude. Did you message them? That's what no. I want to know. Did you message them or did you just ignore them? No, I did not message them. I, okay, like, good. I didn't. <laughs> Mainly because I'd have to, like in the link itself, it talked about, hey, like, what do you bring to the table? Like, just tell me a little bit. It doesn't have to be super comprehensive. Just give me like a quick blurb. Like, what are you all about? Not a lot of commitments involved with that. But if you can't do that and just follow simple instructions, then we're probably, probably not going to get along too well. I feel better now. <laughs> yeah. Like, I should have asked you this, like, when we talked before, because it was like, anytime I see that, I always wonder, I wonder how other people handle it. Because... I'm a pretty even keeled person. And you and I talked about before this, we were like talked about, you know, what I believe about receiving and then receiving everything. And, you know, I try and receive my reactions, honestly. And I'm like, wow, Patty, you are such a petty, bitter person. Sometimes (laughs) it shocks me. But I would imagine anyway, from your background in finance, right? And you didn't didn't rise to the level that you got to because you sort of let people do what they wanted. You have high expectations. And In my experience, anyway, when you're empathetic with folks and you think through the process like that sign up, I really did try and think through to make it as easy as possible for all of us to get what we needed. If people can't just even do that, then then you got to throw your hands up and be like, what, what else, what, what, how, what else am I supposed to do? I don't think that's petty. I think that you only really want to help people that can very clearly help themselves. Yeah. And what I realized too is what's interesting is when people do something similar in like, let's say a post I put up, 
it doesn't bother me actually that much. I just ignore them. And then part of me is like, yeah, I'll never have you on whatever, right? Like there is a like, again, the bitter petty part of me that most people don't see too often. I'm curious when I see it done to someone else and you and I don't even know each other that well. I mean, I know you and I have watched your show because, you know, people I know even better than you are have been on it. And so I've seen you interact with them. I just had a basic affection for you. I thought you're just like a legitimate dude that's really trying to do something from a place of respect and love for the community. Yeah, thank you. So when I see that, it pisses me off. So I think I get (laughs) more bitter and petty on behalf of other people than I necessarily do myself. But I'm curious, is like, did those comments tweak you or were you kind of like, whatever? I was kind of like, whatever. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I tried not anyway to let them get to me too much. But also, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like all the stuff. I feel like my experiences at sea, like doing the ship thing, really helped me like deal with adversity that way. And I just kind of roll that stuff off now. At least I try to anyway. There are certain things, I have to admit, though, there are certain things that really do piss me off. Oh, good. What are those? The way that people act and behave. So, for instance, I mean, when you do software, you try anyway your hardest to really create such a robust solution that it solves a lot of very specific scenarios at once. And I had this happen with Funnel Mappy. I, I created a, another piece of software called Funnel Mappy, and it helped people map out and visualize all of their sales funnels and then keep all of the really kind of strategic details of each one of those steps inside. So it was like one single source of truth for a funnel, like Google Drive kind of stuff. And I came out with a free version of this. But yet, man, some people are just, they'll never be satisfied ever. And once you get to a certain point, with people, you just kind of have to like cut them loose because they're so entitled. And the bar is really high. Like they expect so much for absolutely nothing. And not that there's anything wrong with this. In my personal opinion, there kind of is. And it's bad for both sides. But there's, you know, a whole group of people out there that do nothing but look for lifetime deals with software, right? They look for lifetime deals. They say, look, if I can't pay $99 and have this for life, I don't want it. I don't want it. It's not worth my time. And what they fail to realize is that, yes, that sounds like a great deal. And yes, it's attractive as a software developer because you know that you are going to get a ton of response from that offer. Everybody's going to buy it. But what you don't find out until later as the developer and thus then as a user, right, is that that subscription model, the fact that instead of paying 99 bucks, maybe you pay $39, but you pay every month. That allows you to continue to support the stuff that allows you to continue to build out new features and to have customer service and to make things faster and to just make a better product. And if you don't have that cash flow coming in, then you're screwed. You're screwed as a business. You have nothing. And, um, and then you got to fold and you got to stop, you know, providing the thing. And then everybody's pissed off. And it just provides such a negative view of software and the solutions that the software can provide. I don't know. I just don't get that. That really like ticks me off when I see people just say, Oh, well, you know, if I can't have it for $15 for the rest of my life, then I don't want it. Okay. Well, you obviously don't want a working solution then. And you're probably not like an ideal customer. So anyway, that's like one of the things in the software world. So we found how to get underneath Josh's skin. So if you're looking for that in the future. <laughs> Just email me and say, I'll pay $3 and I want this for lifetime access, Josh. 
so I, I've watched you, I've watched your interviews and stuff. So you always just seem so even keeled. And I, and the reason I'm diving into this is because I want to understand when I look at someone who's journeying through life, the way you are, like when you, you know, March comes and now your whole plan on how it's all going to go is turned to dust by a pandemic. Mm. What happens inside of you that allows you to pivot? Because I know when we were talking before this, you said part of it is is your background in sailing. So if there's relationship there, go ahead and bring it in or just kind of walk us through what really happened inside your body, inside your mind, when all of a sudden you had to face that this plan you had was not happening. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a great question. And it's not something that I've really articulated before, but I can tell you that one, it was just incredible disappointment. And two, that very familiar uncertainty feeling of not knowing what's going to happen here. Like everything that I planned for for the last eight months is now shot. So what do we do from here? And there's a period where you just kind of give yourself some slack and some space and figure shit out for yourself. It's a great opportunity to really step back and distill what it is that you want out of this situation. What was the point of me going around the country? Was it very selfish? Was it just self-fulfilling? I just wanted to see the country. Screw everybody else. Was I trying to connect with people? Was it a little bit of both? Did I just want to sell more software? Was I running from problems that I had back in New York? And this was just a thinly veiled disguise on how to deal with those problems? Like, what was it? After a lot of thought, I landed on the fact that it was really about the people that I was spending time with, these great people on the road. And by the way, like, as I was doing all of this, I was couch surfing. If you've never heard of that or know what that is, I was staying in strangers' homes the majority of the time that were vetted and they knew that I was coming and stuff, but we'd never met each other before. And they brought me in and I just had the most amazing experiences with Couchsurf. I could just, honestly, Patty, we could talk like a whole other podcast on just the cool, very cool people that I met. But it was that connection that I wanted. And by having that sense of self-awareness and giving myself like a little bit of space and breathing room to figure that out, what was it that I was really after with all of this? I was able to say, okay, if it is connection, maybe there's another way to do this. And that's mm. where the show idea really came from. To go back, it really, that whole idea of like, fuck, like, what am I going to do? How am I going to pivot? Spending years at sea will drill that into your mind because the ocean constantly moving, obviously, it's very dynamic environment. Weather can change at the drop of a hat and there is nothing that you can do about it. You have to deal with the situation at hand. You can't run from it. All you can do is adjust sales, right? And hold on, right? Yeah. And when you first mentioned that to me, I mean, we were just, for you listening, Josh just brought that up right before we went live. So with this interview, I mean, it just hit me like, wow, that's such a powerful metaphor for the stuff I always talk about because I'm always saying our goal has to be to release resistance and open to receiving. And opening to receiving is sort of amorphous. So you, the thing that's more tangible is release resistance, release resistance. And as I was thinking about like, wow, if you've got your sails up and now the wind has changed direction, if you don't change those sails, you basically end up in the water, right? Yeah. Or you could end up just completely moving in the wrong direction, or you can stop altogether, or you can break something. Like a lot of times you'd have a full set of sails up and then the wind just increases like in an instant. And yes, it can capsize you. It can push the sails sort of into the sea. 
but it can also really break things, pieces of the rigging, you know, very structurally important pieces of the boat. It can break them. So it just creates such a dangerous situation. So you start to get used to that and you start to be very aware of the weather and be very aware of what the boat can do. And when situations like that happen, you find a comfort in knowing that you can adjust, right? And keep an even keel. You know, you can just adjust and figure out a plan. Doing that day in and day out, it teaches you that. And I think about that when I am faced with situations like the whole COVID thing. I love that because for me, it's always like, okay, there's the the metaphysical stuff. There's like the spiritual stuff and all that. But then it's also like, you know, with the brain science, right? So it's always like, what is going to make your brain feel safe? So for you, through all those years of sailing, you got to reprogram your brain to understand that pivoting quickly creates safety. And so your equation almost looks so different than most of ours. That's interesting. I've never heard it said that way, but that's true. Nipping it in the bud, they always, there's a saying like on a ship, you know, keep a weather eye out, which essentially means you're always looking in the direction that the wind is coming from, because that's where most of the, you know, that's where the weather, that's where the storms and the winds and stuff are going to come from. So always keeping a weather eye out. And then, and then as soon as you see something different, as soon as you start to get the feeling that, all right, so I'm going to have to make a decision. I'm going to have to act in some way. Otherwise we're going to be screwed here. The sooner that you can make that decision, the better. And actually, on a lot of these ships, the act, because they're so big, I mean, I don't know if anybody knows what a tall ship is, but it's essentially like a big pirate ship. And these things are huge. They're wooden, traditionally rigged sailboats. And in order to make that shift, in order to change the sails and you know do whatever you need to do, a lot of times you need to call people from down below, like people that are off watch, people that are sleeping, that have been working all night the night before. You got to do an all hands on deck call. And so you've got to act quickly because if you wait too long, it'll be too late. People won't get up in time. They won't come up on deck. It'll be pure chaos. And trust me, even in those situations where you feel like you're on top of things, you can be punched in the face by something. And again, for another podcast or something, we can talk about it, but we got shipwrecked 80 miles off the coast of France on a boat called the Pride of Baltimore too. If you guys that are listening, you want to see some like crazy shit, just Google Pride of Baltimore 2 dismasting. And in 2005, we were racing a bunch of other tall ships in the Bay of Biscay. We were 80 miles off the coast of France. And a piece of our sailing rigging just broke. A well blew up. It was like a very, very important piece of the boat. And that led to a domino catastrophic failure of the entire rigging. Everything came crashing down and no one was hurt, but the pictures are insane. I can't believe that we survived. And we then lived in France. I I lived in France for months as we built the ship. So you just kind of go with the flow, you know, no matter what happens. Well, I know you have stayed with me way longer than I asked you to. So thank you for doing that. And there's such cool stories. I'm going to try and see if we can grab the link to that story and, or at least one of those stories and put that in the show notes as well. But so for, you know, last messages to someone listening who's like, okay, I totally groove on this guy's ability to surrender. He's clearly seems to have grasped it maybe a bit more than most of us. You know, as we're heading into the rest of this year, 2020, which is, oh my gosh, and into this next year, where I think it's going to ask a lot more of us to surrender to events we didn't expect. Yep. What's, you know, a piece of takeaway advice maybe you'd give someone that's facing suddenly 
an obstacle that really is insurmountable, that, that really is asking for something different from that person? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, I have two pieces of advice. The first I would say is that recognize and try your best to remember that no one knows what's going on right now. If you can, right? Listen to your own intuition. Listen to your gut. It is honestly, it's never pushed me in the wrong direction. And it's the only real thing that you can count on in all of these crazy times. For every one person that tells you it's got to be one way, there's going to be another one that tells you that it's got to be the exact opposite way. So rather than try and drive yourself nuts deciding what's right and what's wrong, there is no back of the book answer here. You got to listen to yourself. So I would suggest that they try and do that a little bit more. And the second is that everything is surmountable. You just got to break it down into smaller steps, things that you can do consistently. That's going to yield way more power in changing your life and progressing and make you happier seeing that progress, breaking it down into small steps that you can do every day. Those are the two things I would say, yes, for sure. That's awesome. And that's such a good wrap up because that's the heart of Fire Builders, right? Your software is that is breaking it down to smaller steps, understanding everything is surmountable. Yes, exactly. It's something that I've lived by. It's not like I just, you know, like built a software and said, yeah, yeah, that sounds about good. No, it really is a tenant that I have lived by through all of these crazy ass experiences that I've had. And I can tell you that if it works for uh, surviving a dismasting or motorcycling through the Himalayas in India or learning a language or something like that, it will work for whatever it is that you're going through. So yes. I love it. Awesome. Okay, Josh. So we're going to put the link to your um, podcast, which is watch.firebuilderslive.com in the show notes. Any last place you want people to find you or check you out at? Yeah, they always find me on Facebook too. I'm there just a Joshua Corpel, K-O-E-R-P-E-L. Just shoot me a friend request and I'm more than happy to talk. I share all these experiences and stuff. So I'd love to connect with you guys. And that's your private account, like your personal account? Yeah, yeah, it's actually okay. also where I um I stream these uh, Fire Builders lives every day. I stream them on that account so they could check those out too. Those are public. Yes. Oh, awesome. Okay, I'll put the link to that as well in the show notes. All right. Thank you so much for being here. You're awesome. Have an mm-hmm. amazing day. Yes, thank you so much, Patty. This has been so great. Let's do it anytime. I'm totally down. Yeah, we will totally do that. I will bring you back on. We'll talk more about sailing. All right, and for you listening... Thank you for being here and please use Josh's advice and find a new way to find anything that's in your way as surmountable. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening. If you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this episode with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review at your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people and it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you have to say about what I've shared. I'm cheering for your success. Have an amazing day. And don't forget, always create space for magic. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's Voices Amplified.